dignity of man and the destiny of Are we on the Comedy Schools Radio Network.com? Are we live on there? We are live on Comedy Schools Radio Network.com. We are now live on YouTube. Uh, it's the Comedy Schools channel where I believe you can see every episode we've done. Today is what, episode 36 or 37? Episode 37, you can go there and see all of them. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be live on Facebook Live. We are live on Facebook Live. We are like Tony Visick on my uh, just personal page, Tony Visick, V-I-C-I-C-H. We are live on YouTube. Hello, YouTube. And we are live on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. And hello to all of you out there who are listening or will be listening. It is Thursday. It's 2 p.m. If it's 2 p.m., what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for Living on a Thin Line, your daily diversion from all the hoo-ha, hoopla, and falderall that is accompanying us each and every day as we uh, uh, adjust to uh, this temporary, temporary new normal. So um, I hear people say this is going to change things forever, etc. Um, everything always seems like it's going to change everything forever, and then it doesn't. Uh, human progress is human progress. Sometimes there's a few steps back, darn tootin'. Uh, there's an ancient Chinese fr- uh, proverb, and it's a may, it's, it is, may you live in interesting times. So we live in interesting times. I know a lot of us thought we weren't going to. You know, uh, I was joking around. There was a guy who's my age. The other day, um, I saw him post something on Facebook. And what he posted was, he goes, uh, the problem with the younger generation, they don't have to do what we had to do, which is grow up. And I wrote, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So just to reiterate uh, how fortunate so many people my age have been, including me, Okay. Uh, it's 1400 Colonel. Thank you. Thank you there. Thank you, Maureen Brown. Uh, by the time I graduated from high school and my roommate, Kelly Wilson is watching right now. One day there was a knock on the door. We had our very first apartment. Uh, I had just turned 18. Kelly was 18 and it was my father. I'd moved out that summer and it was, I think September. He was, you guys get in the car. You got to register for the draft. So he took Kelly and I down to the county seat and uh, we had, it was the law that we had to register for the draft. Vietnam was going on, but it was winding down, and they weren't drafting anyone anymore. So we didn't have to deal with that. We haven't had to deal with so many things that uh, previous generations had to deal with. We've certainly had our issues in our time. But for the most part, it's been a mighty time. Right now, we're dealing with probably is the most disruptive crisis for the largest amount of people. There have been other crises crises that have uh, been disruptive for smaller groups of people. But we're dealing with the crisis but disruptive for the largest group of people. And it is the pandemic and it is the quarantine. These will be interesting times. But two months from now, six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, this will be the past. Just like the 1918 pandemic. People are working to change things. Right now what we're working to do is make the best out of a weird situation. And that's one of the reasons we do this show every day, ladies and gentlemen, every day at 2 p.m. except Saturday night when we do it at 7 p.m. to give you a diversion and a break from all of it. Uh, and hopefully even the, uh, what is always the most dangerous voices, which are the voices 
in our own head. So uh, that's what we're doing. Uh, I had a great advanced class workshop last night. For those of you that don't know, for the last 20 years, I have taught stand-up comedy workshops, uh, usually live and in person, where I'd rent a building someplace and people would come sign up there. Currently, we're doing them uh, on Zoom through uh, social apps. And I've got to say, I've got just the most fantastic and talented group of people uh, I've uh, uh, ever had the, uh, the joy of spending time with right now. And you talk about dedicated. This is anywhere between 15 and 18 people who are coming together on Zoom to write, rehearse, and perform together to be able to put on a fantastic show for you on May 22nd. May 22nd will be the next Class Clown Show on Zoom. Uh, before that, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, watch my page on Facebook, Tony Visick. Watch my page on Twitter, etc. because there's going to be a link put up for our first ever Let's Get the Comics Paid show. Sunday night at 7 o'clock, I'm going to do a show called Let's Get the Comics Paid show. Instead of sitting around waiting for the federal government, which somehow somehow has spent $2 trillion and um, people are still out of work. Spent $2 trillion and there's still aren't enough face masks. Spent $2 trillion and there's not enough personal protection. Spent $2 trillion and now cities and states are saying they might have to lay off first responders. I don't know where that $2 trillion went, but I don't think many of us got any of it. So we're going to have to help one another, and I'm going to help the comics. That's what I'm going to do. Sunday night will be my first Let's Get the Comics Paid show. It's going to feature Travis Miner, Abhinav Goyal, DJ Payne, and others. Uh, tickets will be 10 bucks. You will be able to, you'll see a link on my page. We'll send out emails. We're going to promote the hoo-ha out of it, and you're going to be able to pay to watch a fantastic comedy show put on by some of the best uh, up-and-coming comics I've ever come across. That's going to be Sunday night. Later on tonight, late tonight, the link will go out. So you want to check that out. And, of course, I'll talk it to death on every show I do uh, up through Sunday. Okay? All right, so that's going on. What do we got going on today? What do we built this show around? We built it around knickknacks, paddywax, give a dog a bone, hoo-ha, and memorabilia that I have just sitting around in my house. Uh, yeah, that's right. We got tattoo shops opening. I just got to mention my home state of Missouri once again. And God, I love so many people there. I was supposed to be there just last April. Uh, I was there last fall. Saw so many great friends from all the way back in high school. Teachers, uh, people I ran around with, um, relatives, you know, my nieces, uh, my aunt. Uh, so many great, great people that I saw. Um, I don't know. I do know. What has happened over the years is that we have, there, a, a certain group of people have dedicated themselves to make sure that stupid people get elected to office who play to our most base instincts. So the Attorney General for the state of Missouri is suing China. Now, don't you think that money be a little better spent on face masks for first responders? Don't you think that money be a little better spent on testing? In Georgia, they're going to open up tattoo parlors and bowling alleys. And Las Vegas is going to open up casinos. And I get it, man. I want to open up too. I want to open up. I want to go. I want to, I want to travel again. I want to go see my daughter in L.A. I want to go down the road and see my grandkids. I want to do this stuff. I want to go to New York City again and eat clams at Umberto's in Little Italy. I want to. Shirley and I want to go down to our hideaway down, uh, down near Tucson. It's not it's a place we know that we rent. That we don't tell any, very many people. A hacienda in the middle of nowhere. We want to do those things. We want to do them. You want to do stuff too. And I don't think opening up a tattoo parlor is going to help that. I don't think so. 
But boy, that's you know that's going to be the opening salvo of the Repu- of the Republican Party to help Donald Trump is going to be attacking China as the problem, not that there's no coordinated uh, effort being put forward by our federal government. What we've got going on right now is if in December 7th, 1941, the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor and it began to attack other, uh, uh, other territories and uh, places supposed to be protected by the United States, and Roosevelt went, the states are going to have to deal with this. This is an unprecedented attack. You know, Idaho's going to have to handle it themselves. So, uh, but we're going to provide for you every day at 2, uh, and also now uh, on a weekly basis, uh, entertainment to take you away from uh, some of the stuff going on in the day. And right now, what I built this show around is showing you this memorabilia. And I'm going to show you the very first piece right now. And I hope you enjoy it. Okay. All right. Hello, Linda Daniels, Hernandez, Cricket, Gil, Kevin Brown, Charles Kaminsky, Myrna Craddock, Tina and Mike, everybody, everybody. Puneet, how are you? David John, how are you? Okay. Here's the first thing. You go, hey, we kind of saw something like that the other day, Tom. There you are, YouTubers. Look at that. There are you. There you are, Facebook Live. Look at that. What are you looking at? You're looking at a picture of two men, and they're holding hands, which is fine, okay? But they're holding their hands up high, and they're waving and smiling. And who are these two men? They are none other than John Kerry and John Edwards, the uh, Democratic presidential nominee for president of the United States in 2004 and the vice presidential nominee. John Kerry did not win. He was what they called swift-boated, a minor incident that took place and that he wrote about uh, was blown up into gigantic proportions. And the fact that he did volunteer and go to Vietnam when uh, some other people had bone spurs uh, was uh, uh, derided and, and turned into a derogatory action. And a minor thing that he wrote about in his book was blown up into a major thing, and he got what they called swift-boated. John Edwards got in trouble because uh, he was having an affair uh, with someone, and that someone got pregnant, and he found out about it. it was a big scandal, and he had to go on trial, and he was found uh, innocent. And right now, the, um, the scandal of John Edwards pales in comparison with so many scandals we've seen coming from uh, more recent politicians. But anyway, how did I get this is that I donated money to uh, the, the earlier picture I showed you earlier this week was a picture of George and Laura Bush. And all I did was vote for one Republican for governor of California, even though I knew he wasn't going to win. But I voted for him way back when, 2002, 2003, I can't remember when. But I donated to the Democratic Party at that time. And once I donated, they sent me a bunch of junk. And one of them was this autographed picture. So hanging in this office... Ladies and gentlemen, there is an autographed picture of George and Laura Bush and of John Kerry and John Edwards. And that confuses a lot of people. That confuses people. People, so, you know, people get confused so easily. You just saw them, you say, I have I'm friends with Democrats and Republicans. And they go, that's confusing. How can you be friends with somebody who votes for this guy and a guy who votes for that guy? It messes me up. I'm all messed up. <laughs> You know, because I don't base my friendships on that at all. I base my friendships on uh, who can bring me drugs. No, <laughs> that's not true. I don't take drugs. 35 years clean and sober. But at one time, it was a pretty good basis for uh, where you would show your loyalties, wasn't it? So, autograph picture. I don't know if they hand did this one. Uh, it looks like it, but I'm pretty sure it's like a print. You know, it's a print. They uh, do it, and then they, then they do like... 
thousands of prints and send them out. I don't think John Kerry and John Edwards autographed this personally. Anyway, it's just kind of a fun, goofy thing to have in the house. I've, also, I've, I've often liked people, and so many people they say they don't like, politicians, lawyers. Some of my very uh, close friends are politicians and lawyers. Uh, there's certain politicians in this town where I live, Maricopa, that um, I regard with great, great, great respect. And there's one or two that um, I wouldn't piss on if they were on fire. So uh, <laughs> people ask me what kind of town Maricopa is. I don't know what kind of town it is now. It's a quiet town now. But before all this happened, I'll tell you what kind of town this little town I live in outside of Arizona was. It was the kind of place where Democrats voted for Republicans and Republicans voted for Democrat because we were voting for the best individual to do the best job for this city. And I think that those guys are going through a tough time right now because they were uh, the city council and mayor of a thriving, growing, uh, uh, and by the way, uh, kind of high-end, um, uh, economically um, uh, little metropolis. And now they have to govern over something that is uh, shrinking. Shrinking. And that's what we're all going to do now. You either have to govern, uh, you either have to govern excess or you have to govern, govern privation. And right now, and privation might be a little bit of a heavy word. Uh, you either have to govern, govern when everything's going good and that you don't go crazy because things are going good. Or you have to govern when things are tough. And I have faith in the guy who's the mayor of this town because he was the president of my homeowner association back in 2008 when things were tough. What I haven't seen yet is just the mass move outs that I saw here in 2008 where people just packed up and left and abandoned their homes. I haven't seen that yet. You know, we're all going to have to work together and the people in charge are going to have to work with us. So I've always liked politicians. I've always liked lawyers. People go, I don't like lawyers. They go, well, you know, lawyers are jerks. They go, well, go out and hire a lawyer who has a reputation for being uh, just a sweet, soft touch when you have a court case, idiot. All right. All right. Let's get to the music. I'm going to show you something here kind of rare, kind of different, kind of esoteric. I don't know if it's esoteric. But uh, here we go. All right. Is the album even in there? It is. Okay. Here. I'm proud of this record. I'm proud that I own it. There you go. You see that? Pretty cool looking. You guys see that? Very mid-60s urban kind of street scene there. Okay. And it is, of course, an integrated group of people. And who is that, ladies and gentlemen? That is one of the great forgotten bands of the mid-60s that were ungodly influential. This is the Paul Butterfield Blues Band. And if you like rock and roll, if you like blues, if you like kick-ass music that can't, that when you listen to it, you can't help but even move around just a little bit. You want to listen to the Paul Butterfield Blues Band, the lineup for this band. And this is like 1965, 66. was Paul Butterfield on vocal and harmonica. Mike Bloomfield, the legendary Mike Bloomfield on slide guitar. And the well-known to my generation and popular Elvin Bishop on rhythm guitar. Uh, a guy named Mark Naftalin on organ who played with so many great groups and sat on so many things. A guy named Samuel A. on drums I'm not familiar with and Jerome Arnold. But Paul Butterfield, Mike Bloomfield, Elvin Bishop, stunning, stunning that those three talents were in one group. Uh, and they played really classic, uh, um, really classic blues stuff on here. Born in Chicago. This was Chicago blues. Shake Your Money Maker. Okay. Uh, blues with a Feeling. Uh... Thank you, Mr. Poobah. I got my mojo working. I got my mojo working. Got my mojo working. 
Psyche was screaming, her love is drifting. Mystery train. Train, train rolling down the track. Last night, look over yonder walls. The big, uh, the big fun things to listen to in this album would be Shake Your Money Maker, I Got My Mojo Working, and Mystery Train. All right, and these are songs that were then redone by hundreds of white pop uh, blues groups. But Paul Butterfield, man, they adhered to the real sound of Chicago blues. And bands like Paul Butterfield took what was done in the unlistened to African-American community, not listened to in America by white people, brought it to white people. And in a big loop, we came back to listen to all these great people, to listen to Willie Dixon and Howlin' Wolf, B.B. King, etc. cetera. Uh, Paul Butterfield was a great harmonica player. Paul Butterfield is one of those people, like the Grateful Dead, that they were at Woodstock, and the guy making the movie did not put them in the movie. And I think the guy making the movie uh, had a little beef with Paul Butterfield. All right, so the sad thing is, when, even though Paul Butterfield and the Grateful Dead were at Woodstock, hardly anyone knows that because they weren't in the film. And, if, and Woodstock, even though it was in front of anywhere between 300 and 500,000 people over that three-day period, it pales in comparison to the millions upon millions who have watched the film. Okay, the medium is the message. The medium is the message, and that's why I'm so excited about the things that uh, me and my friends are beginning to do on uh, with social media to bring entertainment to you. All right, so listen, you owe it to yourself. You're killing time today. Just you two, Paul Butterfield Blues Band, just uh, uh, Mystery Train, just Paul Butterfield Blues Band Mystery Train. You'll love it, and you go, oh, I know that song. Well, they did it before anybody that you know did it. Okay, or uh, Shake Your Money Maker. And you go, oh, I know that song. You know, or I got my mojo working. You know, and you'll be happy you did because it's fun music, all right? Paul Butterfield Blues Band. The next one, okay, kind of well-known to my generation. And one of the coolest album covers, freakies you've ever seen is this. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Look at that. And this even, it comes open. Let me see here. There, I can only show it to you on YouTube to its full effect. It's an entire piece of art. I'm going to go across here on Facebook Live. Check that out. Isn't that wild? What is this album? Does anyone out there know what this album is? Does anyone care to venture a guess? I'll wait two and a half seconds. 1,001, 1,002, 1,000. All right, time's up. Sorry. You did not win the refrigerator. Uh, this is, ladies and gentlemen, King Crimson. This is in the court of the Crimson King. This was one of the most influential and popular albums of the late 60s, early 70s. This was freaky prog rock like we had never heard before. So what was prog rock? Prog, it was progressive rock. And it was kind of an artsy sound. And it was um, uh, really kind of uh, uh, embodied in bands like the Moody Blues, Procol Harum, and King Crimson. And, of course, the biggest progressive uh, uh, prog rock band to ever exist, the one that became the most popular, of course, was Pink Floyd. Uh, but before them, uh, when you were a kid growing up in St. Louis and you were listening to KC 95 FM and you heard 21st Century Schizoid Man and you went, what the hell is that? And, of course, the uh, side two only had two songs, Moonchild, including The Dream and The Illusion. 12 minutes and 15 seconds. But the biggie from there was In the Court of the Crimson King. 
You listen to, in according to the Crimson King, when you're 14 years old, 15 years old, and you've just eaten a piece of paper with a, uh, a weird-looking funny guy on it, and all of a sudden uh, the walls are melting and the earth is moving, and you will have experienced something. I'm not recommending it. Not recommending the uh, second part of the experience. But uh, go back and listen to In the Court of the Crimson King. Stunning. Some of these guys went on later on to be in Emerson, Lake, and Palmer and other groups. King Crimson, one of the best groups. I uh, had the uh, good fortune to see them live when I was 15 or 16 years old. And it was a weird lineup. They had Keel Auditorium in St. Louis, Missouri. It was, uh, I want to say it was Black Oak, Arkansas, and then King Crimson. So Black Oak doing an early version of Southern Boogie Rock before it really had a name. And then King Crimson coming out and doing this sort of opera rock. Uh, it was weird. As a matter of fact, when King Crimson came out, you know, we're a bunch of teenagers, 10,000 teenagers packed into a place called Keel Auditorium. We're all like, woo, ha, ah, you know, just walking around being cool. And at one point the band went, all right, you need to listen right now. If you're not quiet, we're not going to continue playing. We're going to need silence so you can hear the music. And of course, we at those times, in those times, so revered these pop musicians, so revered them and so believed that they had something to say because it didn't seem like the adults had answers. The only answer that adults seemed to have in those days were, well, if you get drafted, you have to go over there and get, if you get shot, you, you die for your country. That was the answer that so many of them seemed to have. Uh, the musicians seemed to us to have the answers. Uh, they didn't, but they certainly seemed to. That's who we turned to. Uh, but when that man went, if you're not quiet, we're not going to play. You need to be silent so you can hear the music. Uh, we all shut up and listened. But man, was it a oral, A-U-R-E-L, that means hearing, uh, experience that uh, obviously I haven't forgotten. I might forget to put on socks on certain mornings but I'll never forget the time that I saw Black Oak, Arkansas and King Crimson. And by the way, if you're ever depressed, if you're feeling blue, if you're feeling down, okay, uh, if you're in a little bit of a funk, let me give you a surefire way to get out of it. Are you ready? And this I promise you. This I promise you. YouTube, Black Oak, Arkansas, live, Jim Dandy to the rescue with Ruby D. Black Oak, Arkansas, live, doing Jim Dandy to the rescue featuring Ruby D. And you will see a group of people on stage that should have never made it any further than uh, being auto mechanics and living in a trailer with no wheels in the back of the trailer park who rose up and for a short period of time were bright shining lights in the musical and entertainment firmament in America. And if you want to see people having a time in their life and know they're having fun and know and have a good time, you want to watch Black Oak, Arkansas, doing Jim Dandy the Rescue live with Ruby D, and it'll make you feel good because it's just fun to watch. It's just fun to watch these people having so much fun. So I showed you my autographed picture of uh, presidential candidate John Kerry. I did, along with John Edwards. I showed you my uh, Paul Butterfield Blues album, and that's like it. It's not like a best of, man. That's like a real deal original album. Um, and I showed you my King Crimson album, Google or YouTube, Paul Butterfield Blues Band and King Crimson, and you'll have a real musical experience. Go back and read about John Edwards and how that case went out, and it's a fascinating experience. Fascinating. But the main thing is find new experiences, and sometimes new experiences are a re-experience. 
Sometimes new experiences are a re-experience. So when I put on the Paul Butterfield Blues Band, when I put that album on my record player, which is sitting right over here, a little, uh, little turntable I have, when I put it, back, put it on there and I listen to it, I'll be re-experiencing something I experienced long ago. And there, therefore, it'll be a new experience. You know, I, I'll give you a, I'll give you a reason. I'll, I'll give you a real-time, real-world uh, idea what I'm talking about. Um, the Rolling Stones album "Exile on Main Street" came out in 1971 or 72, maybe 73, right around that time. I think, uh, and I uh, saw them play that entire album at Keel Opera House with my brother Jerry. Okay, and owned the album. All right, but a few years ago, I got a hold of the CD and started playing around the house and couldn't stop playing it. Played it in the car. And there was a trip that my wife Shirley and I took with uh, my daughter Alicia and a fellow she was seen at the time where we drove cross-country from Arizona to St. Louis to visit my mom and stayed at a hotel in downtown St. Louis, which I always thought was cool to do, being a poor, broke kid from uh, uh, Jefferson County to be able to stay in a hotel downtown. Big deal. Be able to walk over to the ballpark. Uh, and now when I listen to Exile on Main Street, it is that experience with my wife and my daughter, and that drive cross-country that is strongest in my mind. I took an old experience, re-experienced it, and created a new and wonderful memory for me. You do that too. You do that too with a book, with a movie, with a magazine, with a piece of music. You do that too. You'll be glad that you did. It'll keep you safe. It'll keep you healthy. It'll keep you sane. All right, I'm going to wrap it up for the day, okay? It's been a long day. I'm very tired. Long day, and I've got a class to teach tonight, which I'm grateful that I'll be teaching. We've got people in that class from Australia and Ohio, all in the same Zoom room while I sit here in Arizona. Okay, so, uh, oh, you know, I got this class Tuesday. I just got to tell you about the cool thing about it is we have someone in it from Los Angeles, and I got someone in it from right across the street. If I look out the window, if I look out these windows right behind me, not those two you can see, but right next to it right there, I see the house where someone is in my workshop and they're over in that house. That's the magic of the time that we're living in. There, it's tough times, but there's magic too. Concentrate on the magic while taking care of yourself. All right, that's it for the day. I'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. And by that time, announcements will be made about our big Sunday night. Let's get the comics paid show. You're going to see it. You're going to attend it. You're going to love it. Okay, the announcement will be made. It will be Sunday night at 7. Watch for the link. Click on the link. Buy a ticket. See a show. All right, but you'll be able to see me free tomorrow at 2. My name's Tony Vizic. Your name's whatever you want it to be. You've been watching Living on a Thin Line on Facebook Live, YouTube Comedy Schools channel, and the Comedy Schools Radio Network.com internet-based radio station. Goodbye, you guys. Yes, I should have quit you, baby. A long time.